The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Raising teens alone can be brutal. It becomes easier when you are co-parenting with the universe. The following episode is actually an episode from my former podcast, which I'm recycling here because we're talking about Boundaries with Hay House author Nancy Levin, who published a book about how boundaries will set you free in your relationships. So it is crucial information for us moms here, and it had a lot of success in my former podcast. So I thought I would share it with you too. Enjoy. Welcome to Single and Doing It All. This is your host, Muriel Felous. And today we are going to cover a topic that is so needed, especially in today's society. Before I bring in my guests, I just wanted to remind you about who you are. We are a magnificent essence, like a sacred flame. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I wasn't taught to see myself like that. And I used to put my sacred life, my sacred light and life <laughs> into other people's hands, being terrified that they would drop it, crush it, that they would let the, the light and the flame die. I was on constant alert until I realized that my job was to see my own light and to tender to it and to put a security parameter to protect it so that I could fully shine. Today, our guest is the perfect expert for that. Her name is Nancy Levin. Nancy is a master coach and best-selling author of several books, including her latest that I'm reading right now, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. Formerly the event director at Hay House for over a decade, Nancy is the creator of Levin Coach Academy and offers in-depth coaching and training programs designed to support clients in making themselves a priority and setting boundaries that stick. Welcome, Nancy. I'm very excited to have you here. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am, I'm doing well. I'm doing great as well. And we're going to dive right in. Before we do so, I would love it if you told the audience about your story because you're the perfect expert to talk about boundaries also because of your story. So could you please just let, her, let us know where you started and how you ended up doing what you're doing today? Sure. So I would say that the real sort of, uh, you know, the real chunk of time for us to talk about is, is when I essentially was the event director at Hay House, as you mentioned, and I was married and I was a world champion people pleaser, peacekeeper, conflict avoider, a seeker of external validation. And I was really hell bent on rescuing and saving. And I was also 
uh, really in the business of wanting everyone to know that I was the one and the only one who could get it done. And <laughs> I <resume> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And so in, you know, I was a powerhouse in my job and I was, I was in a position where actually many, many gold stars were, were, you know, sprinkled upon me. And yet the issue is that when we're seeking the gold stars, no amount of gold stars will ever be enough to fill the void that we're experiencing within because all, everything we're seeking externally needs to be resolved internally first. Yes. So, you know, I was this power house at work and at home in my marriage, I was silent as a mouse and I didn't ever, I didn't ever speak up. I didn't ever offer my opinion because it had been slammed down so many times. And part of what brought me and my husband together was the fact that I swooped in to save him. It was as if on the day we met, he said, hi, I'm broken. And I said, well, great. I'm superwoman. I will fix you. And from the moment we met, as our relationship got more enmeshed and as we you know, progressed into marriage, I was sublimating all of my own wants and needs and desires to fulfill all of his. So along the way, at some point in my marriage, I completely lost myself. I vanished. I disappeared. And so the real turning point for me came in, came in the great gift of an explosion that ultimately destroyed my marriage, an 18-year marriage, and was really, for me, the catalyst around getting true with myself. You know, the, the bottom line is when we're not true, when we don't tell the truth to ourselves, we're certainly not prepared to tr tell the truth to other people, but the truth will come out sideways. And when we don't tell the truth, we create chaos in our lives, which is exactly what I was doing. So, you know, the very short story of it is that I had had an affair eight years prior to my husband reading my journals and discovering it. And so I really see that I set a bomb that detonated eight years later. And so no amount of peacekeeping and people pleasing could keep the marriage intact. And at that point, I was really invested in perfect, in projecting an image of perfection to the world and you know, being seen through a very specific lens that I could give people to see me through. And so I really needed to get on my own journey of being able to look at the truth of myself, take responsibility for my own life, take responsibility for what was mine and not take responsibility for what wasn't because so much of my marriage had been about being boundaryless. So much of my job had been about bound, being boundaryless. And so I really started to, I needed to get in touch with, you know, what is okay for me? What is not okay for me? What will I accept? What will I tolerate? What won't I? And then start, start from there. And that's where I really began rebuilding myself and ultimately decided to leave my job at Hay House after having pursued uh, my coach training, after having written a couple of books and then going out on my own. And 
what is present in your story that is so true, especially for my audience, for single moms, is the aspect of not having any boundaries at all, because that's what somehow we've been taught in the past. And the fact that you don't see yourself, you don't even know, like you said, what was okay and what was not okay. But in your book, you're talking about the fact that boundaries are somehow natural. So where is the disconnect if boundaries are natural and us not being able to set boundaries and even to know where we need to set them? What is the gap? What, what makes it so? that? Yeah, you know, we're not, we're not, no one's ever taught, first of all, we're not taught that we can even have boundaries, let alone set them. But the truth is we do have inherent limits. So even, even a limit around pain, that is a boundary. So there are boundaries that are built in with us that we either stop paying attention to, or that we override, or that we think we somehow has to muscle through. And so in the conversation about boundaries, it's really about tuning into our own limits. It's tuning into the, all our boundaries are, are the limits that we set and recognize around what's okay and what's not okay, what we'll do and what we won't, what we'll tolerate and won't, what we'll accept and what we won't. So it's really at that baseline of getting clear about what is okay for us. So that's the first step is to acknowledge, go within and acknowledge what's okay, what's not okay. The second stage that I see with my clients and that you talk about uh, in your book and in your teaching, because I'm in one of your, um, your groups as well, is yeah. the fact that when we start setting limits, there is that huge amount of guilt that comes up to the surface. And I love how you define that guilt because it's, it's somehow lowering the intensity of that guilt. Right. So when I talk about guilt in this context, I really see guilt as the indicator that we're taking good care of ourselves. Guilt actually is showing us that we're on the right track because so many of us have been lived, been living our lives other referenced. So we've been abandoning ourselves for the sake of everyone else. We've been making sure, you know, like I always say, we're setting the table for everyone else in our lives with the fine china, the crystal, the silver, the big juicy steak, the big juicy tofu. And then we are in the dark, standing over the kitchen sink, eating the scraps and crumbs. And so, the, and so the conversation here is really about really a three-part invitation. First, are you willing to give yourself permission to consider yourself and your needs at least as much, at least as much as you consider everyone else? I mean, can you just at least as much, then can you give yourself permission to consider your, your needs and yourself more than you consider everyone else? So really, 
making, really taking yourself into account before you take everyone else into account. And that's, and that's the piece that's big. Can you consider your own needs first? And one of the important things I want to name here, because we have a little trick that happens in our brain that has us hear me say, take yourself into account only. Yeah. And that's not what I'm saying. So I'm simply saying, take yourself into account as much as everyone else, more than everyone else, and then before everyone else. But I'm still saying take other people into account. I'm not saying disregard, disrespect, ignore anyone else. But the truth of the matter is we have to be able to meet our own needs. We need to fill ourselves. We need to nourish and nurture and resource ourselves in order to actually be effectively available for anybody else. And and that's you answer the questions I was going to ask because knowing that I have an audience of moms and single moms, I could hear their voice saying, "Oh my God, I'm going to think about myself and neglect my kids," and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about replenishing and having what it takes to be able to give without depriving ourselves. Uh, and where that is a really important. I want to. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's a, that's a very important point, the piece about not depriving ourselves, because we are so quick to go into restriction and restraint and deprivation for ourselves, because we think that, you know, we, we look at life as a zero-sum game. Like, if someone has, we go without, or if we have, someone else goes without. And the truth is, we are all able to have. And, you know, in terms of the piece around what you're saying about the moms, this really is, it's the old, you know, proverbial, put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. But we don't have to wait for a crisis to do that. And to me, it's even more important as a mom because we are models. Yes. So when you don't give yourself permission to take care of yourself Imagine that your daughter or your son is at the age that you are. Would you like them to sacrifice themselves? Because that's what you're teaching them. We're models. More than what we say, they see what we do. And that's huge. That's extremely, that's a huge responsibility as a parent. Oh, oh I thought you were frozen. Okay. Um, the other thing, so I have I, I knew I would come up with my own questions, but I also wanted to make sure that the audience would be able to ask questions because I, I told them I would be interviewing you. And I have, I took the questions that would serve the most people. Sure. And um, so Anne was asking, are there any kinds, are there different kinds of boundaries and what is really, what do you define as a boundary? If you can give maybe even an example. So my definition of boundaries, I define boundaries as the limits we set around what we will or will not do, accept or tolerate. So essentially what's okay and what's not okay. There are many different kinds of boundaries from physical to mental to, to 
energetic, you know, there are all different kinds of boundaries that we might have in place. We also have boundaries with ourselves and others. However, every single boundary that we set is really a boundary that's here. So in other words, I might have a boundary that involves another person, but my boundaries are between me and me because the biggest myth about boundaries is that other people cross our boundaries. Yeah. And so I want to really point out here that if our boundaries are being crossed, we're the ones who are crossing them. So we're enabling or allowing them to be crossed. So whether, you know, we can have, we can have mental and emotional boundaries right now. I mean, it's a perfect boundary around how much intake of the news that is a boundary that we can set in terms of our emotional state or our, you know, or our mental capacity. Uh, we might have material boundaries around lending money, for example. Oh. We might, you know, we have all, we have, we can have physical boundaries around distancing, which is what's happening also right now. So, you know, we can have all different kinds of boundaries and what it really comes back to is, what's okay for me. So even if let's just say, you know, I'm physical distancing and someone I'm friends with is like, well, that's a, I, I'm not into that. I think it's a, you know, I think it's a crock of what I, of, I think it's garbage. So I say, you know, I'm willing to go for a walk with you if you're willing to stay six feet away. You know, I'm social distancing. I'm physical distancing. Perfect. That's my choice. But many people will if that's my choice, if that's what I'm doing, but someone else says, well, oh, that's baloney. Let's just go for a walk. Many people will override their own need for safety in order to make sure someone else isn't uncomfortable or disappointed. And that's the issue. And, and especially for people who are empath, because a lot of my uh, audience are yep. very sensitive. Yep. Uh, they would rather be uncomfortable themselves yes. than having somebody else being uncomfortable. So what is the importance of being able to tolerate some kind of uncomfortable emotions in your body if you want to become a, a badass at setting boundaries like you're teaching people? Yeah, it's critical to be able to sit with your own discomfort. It's critical because you have to really see that you're overriding your own needs to take care of someone else's. This is another way we cross our boundaries because we don't have clarity of distinction of where I end and you begin. Yeah. So I cross the boundary. I cross the borderline between our two territories and I go into your territory to take care of you instead of taking care of myself. And that's something, it's so anchored in the way, especially women. Especially women. In the way we are raised. It's taking care of the other before you take care of yourself. It, when you set a boundary, for example, with a family member, I see that, especially with teenagers, because I have teenagers and I teach women who have teenagers, so they set a boundary 
and then that boundary is crossed. And somehow they are under the illusion that you have to set the boundary once and that should be enough. And that's like you say, it's a myth. I, I suspect that you teach people to have to work with that same boundary several times yes. before it's actually yeah. accepted. Yeah, because, and again, it's not, it's not anyone else's job to uphold or respect or even honor our boundary that we set. So a boundary that we set is, is what's okay or not okay and how we're going to take care of ourselves in the process. So most of us think, first of all, most of us think a boundary sounds like you can't, you need to, you know, some, something that the other person needs to do. A boundary is not about someone else changing their behavior. A boundary is not about someone else changing their behavior. A boundary is about what's okay and not okay for me and what am I going to do if that behavior continues? Because we don't have any control over what another person does or doesn't do. Yeah. So it's, so the, you know, the, the, an easy, uh, here's, here's just a simple example of, you know, a boundary is not mom, don't call me during the day. That's not a boundary. A boundary is, mom, I'm just letting you know that I'll be available for phone calls before 10 a.m. and after 6. So if you call outside of those times, I won't be answering the phone. Yeah. Very different. And that's, um, I know in my family, my kids know that if they want something, they need to give me at least a two-day notice because I'm not going to move my schedule around every five minutes based on the demands of everybody, unless there is an emergency, of course. And it is, to me, important that, first of all, I express it, but then follow up with it, no matter how much discomfort you may especially as a mom having that guilt oh my god my poor kid is not going to be able to do a b c because i set that boundary i had to learn to resolve that in myself because they can feel they can feel weakness and (laughs) if you're not solid in yourself and convinced that what you're doing is justified and fair that's going to be a chaos at home Right. And so that's the thing. Your boundary is resolved in you because if you don't hold it, you're the little girl who cries wolf. Yeah. And you may have to remind your child 27 times. Yes. And And that's just how it is. That actually brought a question in my mind right now. How important is it to make sure that before you set a boundary, you are in you into your full power as a grown woman and not a seven-year-old kid regressing because you're under stress. What's the importance of that when setting boundaries? It's critical. It's critical that you are in your grown, that you are in your grown woman state. But here's also the thing: not every boundary needs to be verbalized. Not every, because you don't want to verbalize a boundary until you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that you are going to stand by what you say. Okay. So this is where a lot of the problem starts to come in. 
a mother sets a boundary with a child. Now, again, a boundary is not an ultimatum. Yeah. You know, a mother, and it's a little trickier with kids because of course you are responsible for them. Yes. You know, so, but when, but the moment you back down from what you said, you're teaching your child that you're full of it. Yeah. You're teaching the child that what you say doesn't actually matter. So, you know, when you're setting a boundary, you have to be ready to back what you're saying. you got to put your money where your mouth is. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how many tantrums, no matter how many I hate you moms, no matter, you know, no matter what it is. Yes. You have to be willing to stand your ground. And that's why it's important to also work on your people pleasing because when you're a people pleaser, you want to get a response from the other that's positive because right. that's who you see yourself through them. When you're able to see a negative response but still love yourself, that's when you're in your power. Yes, because, and here's the thing, stay more invested in honoring yourself than being understood or being liked. Yeah. Your kid may not understand and your kid may not like you for the moment. But if you know that you are in right relationship with your own integrity around what boundary you're laying down, that's what to stay connected to. You're the mom, you're the grown up, you're the authority figure, you know, you're the one who's actually in control of the situation. How can you make sure that you're in, to, in your integrity from a pure source and not from fear? How is there a way you can differentiate that in yourself to know where you're coming from? I think, I mean, this is, you know, this is one of the fundamental pieces of boundary setting, which is to be able to really locate yourself, which I think most people are so disconnected yeah. from themselves because they've been so all up in someone else's business. So we really have to start a practice where we are connecting to ourselves, whether it's meditation or journaling or, you know, painting or drawing or singing or whatever it is that reconnects you to you, where you can really drop into the voice inside instead of the voices out there. Yeah. And the voice out there, like I know for my moms, I always teach them also that the voice out there, let's say, let's take an example of you have two kids, a boundary that is good for one may not necessarily be good for the other. Because right. when we talk about what we are imposed on, like by society, they need to go to college. So then you're going to set super hard boundaries at school where maybe one of your kids won't go to college and it's fine. So right. it, you have to be able to adjust and really be, like you said, in integrity. I call it co-parenting with the universe because you have to go inside from a pure source and listen to that guidance independently of what is imposed on you by society. That's hard. That's yeah, and, and part of it is, you know, part of it is that our boundaries don't need to be set in stone either. You know, our boundaries might shift as we shift. Our boundaries, you know, what was what was a boundary for me a year ago might not be a boundary for me today. You know, as we evolve, so can our boundaries. And also, like you're saying, taking different circumstances or children into account. 
you know, I might have certain needs around this child and not around this child or whatever that looks like. Part of it is staying flexible and fluid, which means that we're staying present and we're staying honest in the present moment as opposed to relying on something from the past. How can you teach, if there is a way, except maybe from modeling, uh, is there another way to teach your kids to learn, like to put boundaries with people? Is there something you need to say or it's more like watching you? You know, I honestly, and this is, you know, there's a fine line, but especially with kids, but I think the more we can get our kids to actually express what they want, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean they're always going to get what they want. But the more we can actually give them room and space to say what they want, I think that's a beginning place because I think for so many of us, we've had our desire tamped down so hard that we don't even allow ourselves to want. So I'm not saying that you ask, you know, all your, all your kids, what do you want for dinner? And then you're a short, you're a short order cook cooking, you know, five <laughs> different things. That's not what I mean but at least letting your kids know that they have a say, that their voice is welcome, that they, that they can have an opinion and that, and that conversations can be collaborative as opposed to my way or the highway. So what I know what I've been seeing with my son and my daughters, because they're two different, also between boys and girls, they are processed mm -hmm. differently. They need mm -hmm. different kind of um, reinforcer to feel valued and seen. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you listen, yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to agree, but That's you right. listen. That's right. It makes a huge difference on the level of anger, on everything. And, and that's what I find too in my house. Yeah. Well, um, the other question is when, so let's say you were not good at setting boundaries in the past. Suddenly you read your book <laughs> and you learn and you start setting boundaries. How do you, is there a way to go to the people that you've lived with forever and say, hey, listen, that, I had this limit before, I don't care about that, but this one I'm going to enforce now. Is there a gracious way to go about it? Because I know I was very clumsy at the beginning when I learned to set boundaries. I've been very extreme. Is there a way to start the road in a less extreme way? So do you mean like in terms of sharing your boundaries with other people? Yes. yes. Yeah. We always, first of all, want to come from I. So we always want to come from the, you know, I notice I feel frustrated. I feel scared. I feel hurt when you do or say X, Y, Z. So moving forward in order to honor myself and take care of myself, here's what I'm going to do or not do. So that's really sort of the formula for speaking the boundary. So again, it's not blaming the other person. It's not shaming the other person. It's simply letting the other person know what you're available for and not. And it's letting the other person know that, that in the context of what's been happening, here's how I need to take care of myself now. Yeah. So that's basic like a communication skill, like yeah. 
101. That's, and it, that's, it is, but you'd be surprised because most people start in with, you know, so for example, I mean, if it's, you know, a great example that I see with, you know, a lot of my clients will, you know, will say, you know, I don't like, I don't like it when my, when we go out and my husband drinks too much. So their, their inclination is to say something like, you can't have more than two drinks tonight when we go out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> what happens when I say, I notice that I feel really uncomfortable when you have more than two drinks when we go out. So tonight at the party, I'm just letting you know ahead of time that if you decide to have more than two drinks, I'm going to go home on my own. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do to take care of myself. So I'm not saying, I'm not telling the other person what they can do or not do. I'm simply saying, here's how I feel. Here's how I'm going to take care of myself. Yeah. And that might sound extreme. That might sound, um, you know, that might sound like an ultimatum, but it isn't. The other person has free will to do what they want to do. And so do I. So when we move out of blame and victimhood, we get the opportunity to move into responsibility and empowerment. Yes. And that we may have to adapt if we're talking about teenagers, because as a parent, we are stepping up a level in the responsibility, but it's the same thing, not blaming and really just literally acknowledging that you have another being in front of you and the same yeah. way that they have freedom, you have freedom also. And where does it, where do you draw the line? Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask, and I don't know if it's really a question, but do you have to be bold at the beginning, the first time that you start setting limits, or can you be, because a lot of my clients and my, my audience are very sensitive, very subtle, can you set a limit, a boundaries when you're subtle, or do you have to be really bold? No. You just need to be clear in what's okay for you. Okay. So I identify as an empath. I identify as someone who's very sensitive. I identify as someone for whom, you know, saying what I need was very difficult at the beginning because I didn't even know what I needed. But we have to start noticing the way that our, we're trained to immediately tune in on what does everyone else need? What does he think? What does she think? What does he need? What does she need? We have to actually start turning the antenna here. What do I think? What do I want? What do I need? That's really where we need to begin. And to understand that what we at one time identified as selfishness is really self-love. Yeah. And so I also think that in this, you know, there are ways that we sort of, that we, that we, how do I want to say this? We use our, we use the empath status as an excuse. To not go there. That's right. Yeah. And we think, oh, you know, I want to be compassionate and and all of that. But the other thing is I want to say this, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying it right now for the first time because it just like really hit me, but 
there are ways in which being an empath is automatically inherently boundary crossing because being an empath puts us in someone else's territory. Yes. So we actually have to learn how to turn it on, turn it off. We have to learn what's ours and what's not ours. We have to learn how to take responsibility for what's ours, but not overtake responsibility. So there are ways that inherently being an empath is boundary crossing if we let it be and we pride ourselves on that piece look how in touch i am with you know with other people and their emotions and their state well there's also a way in which that allows us to neglect our own and and not only that i think i did an episode a long time ago on the fact that when you invade someone's energy without asking permission, it's a violation. Especially with teenagers, they're going to let you know if it's okay or if it's not okay. And even when you work with energy with your kids, you have to ask for permission. Maybe yeah, not to them, listen, but to their right. energy. And here's the thing. At the bottom line, I think with kids, it ultimately will always come down to open, honest communication. Yeah. Yeah. Because kids, by nature, you're going to have kids who want to rebel or you're going to have kids who, you know, are the goody goodies, or you're going to have kids, you know, it's like, you're going to have the archetypes of the children. Oh, yes. And it's really important to just be able to bring them into the conversation so that they know that they're being heard. They know that you are available for them. And you guys can begin to have conversations where you can collaborate on what's okay together. And to make sure that, because I have three different kids in my house and based on the, the position they were born in, of course, there are archetypes. And right. of course, I have one that rebels more than others. And sometimes your flexibility and your kindness can be taken as weakness. So how do you resolve that in yourself to still be able to stay flexible and open, but without being taken for weak? Is there a way to do that? I think, you know, I think it's really for you first or it's for us first to resolve in here, okay. not to work it out with our kid. Yeah, because they're going to so, feel that. So whatever, whatever we're afraid of being judged as, we're already judging ourselves for. Yes. So it's, it's having self-compassion and self uh, not judging ourselves, which yeah. brings me to a question that I ask everyone because um, it's a pillar in what I teach. It's self-love. But when I talk about self-love, a lot of women don't even know where to start. What does it mean? How, what's that animal? Where do I grab it from? So I love asking my guests for their definition of self-love. What is self-love to you? My definition is is really is listening and responding to my truth in the moment i suspect in the moment yes yeah yeah so the way you practice it in your life i'm sure there are boundary settings are there other ways that you love practicing self love yeah so i mean there are a couple things i there are two questions i ask myself upon waking and that is, what is the most self-loving action I can take today? And what is the most self-honoring choice I can make today? 
And then I also have a, have a practice of self-love where I'm sending my love out and then receiving it back to myself. Yeah. And so these are things that I do to just remind myself to be open and receptive to and for my own love. Very powerful. Um, in your book, you have 10 steps to set boundaries. So I really recommend people to go and buy the book and study it and work with it because it's a book you work with. Yeah. Uh, before we go, is there, if there was one or two parting words or advices that you would like to la- leave people with, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that everything we do in our life ultimately comes down to choice. So where we are right now, you, me, everybody, you know, we are, we are the culmination of the choices we've made in our lives. And so if we don't do anything different, it just goes to prove, you know, our, our future is going to arrive looking very much like our past or our present. So choice is actually what we can, what we can step into fully to make the change. So our present moment choice is the crystal ball. Our present moment choice predicts our future. And I think that we have tremendous power that we don't tap into. And that is available to us in the choices that we make. Yes. Yeah. That's beautifully said because everything is a choice really. Yeah. I want to thank you, Nancy, for having been part of this episode, for having been my guest. There is so much more, but we have a limited time. So really, I really recommend that book because it's something that if we had more boundaries, healthy boundaries in our society, things would be way better. And for our audience, also don't go and beat yourself up if you did, if you did it wrong. I mean, we're going to make mistakes. We're starting and let's be self-compassionate and self-loving and stop the judgment because that leads us in places we don't want to go. Thank you, Nancy. Until I see you again, go and love yourself and set limits in and out. Bye for now. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes and share it with other moms out there. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.